Well, hello, folks, and welcome to this special episode of the Jason Wright Show, this Sunday special, which is Stone Chiseler Sunday, where today I want to share with you chapter one of my latest book, The Stone Chiseler. So first of all, a little bit about The Stone Chiseler. The Stone Chiseler is a book about a young boy set in the Renaissance era who basically loses everything at a very young age. He's cast into this fictitious prison known as the Stone Yards. The prisoners in the Stone Yards are tethered to large boulders, and their punishment is to chisel away aimlessly at these large boulders uh, indefinitely. And along the way, a mentor comes along and discovers Giovanni, and he sees something in him that's different than the other prisoners. And he realizes that Giovanni is someone who was not destined to just chisel away aimlessly at this boulder, but instead wasn't a stone chiseler at all, but was in fact most likely a sculptor. And through his instruction and talking and causing Giovanni to hearken back to the wisdom that his father had imparted to him, he decides to sculpt the man that is inside him. This book was uh, inspired by Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And for those of you who don't know who Viktor Frankl is, Viktor Frankl was the founder of Logotherapy, which was a school of psychotherapy that describes a search for a life's meaning as the central human motivational force. Logotherapy is part of existential and humanistic psychology theories. It was recognized as the third school of Viennese psychotherapy after those established by Sigmund Freud and Alfred Adler. It essentially was in contrast to what Freud always uh, put forth, which was that the main driver for human instinct or human existence was pleasure. Uh, uh, Victor Franklin, in contrast, thought that the driving force for, for mankind, for humans, was purpose and finding purpose, even in struggle, even in the worst of conditions, if you can find meaning, and he documents a lot of this in the book, Man's Search for Meaning, his time in the Nazi concentration camps. He was early in his psychotherapy practice whenever he was starting to develop the theory of logotherapy that he was taken captive by the Nazis and he was thrown into the concentration camps. He was separated from his wife and unborn child who he would never see again. And during the camps, he continued with his work by basically observing his fellow inmates, taking note of the ones that would survive and the ones that wouldn't, and the ones that could find meaning in the most awful of circumstances, no matter what they were. If they could live in the present and find purpose and meaning in that moment, they were the ones most likely to survive. It's the ones that just lost hope and were listless that would tend to fall into a depression and not survive. And so the book is, it's a parable. And it's about all of us because we all find ourselves find ourselves in the worst of circumstances. And it's how we deal with those circumstances and, and looking for, it's, Victor Frankl's idea was not that we're supposed to find some grand meaning of life. It's not some code that we're supposed to crack. But when life comes at us, it's up to us to search for our own personal purpose in that moment and what we can learn from it and what we can make of it that can shape us and it can become a piece of this greater whole 
that is our life. So that was the inspiration behind this book, The Stone Chiseler. It's set in Florence, Italy, during the Renaissance era. There is a, an element of historical fiction to it. And I, I hope that you will enjoy it. I just wanted to start releasing some of the chapters. And you can find it on Audible or uh, Amazon and paperback or Kindle. And uh, the, the reader that you're going to hear is Preston Rosales, who did a fantastic job. He's a wonderful voice actor that I hired to do the reading. And so I hope you enjoy it. I hope you have a wonderful Sunday. And without further ado, I introduce you to The Stone Chiseler. Thanks. Chapter 1. What do you call yourself? It was a most peculiar sight for the artist. Though he had called Florence his home in his early years as an apprentice, he has now returned much more feeble, weathered, and well-traveled. As the old man made his way into Florence, he saw near the shore what appeared to be a prison yard. Villagers unconsciously strewed past the yard, paying no attention to the men and their large stones. They were fixtures of the town, a kind of living art, a constant warning of these inmates' criminal past. As he made his way closer to the yard, his suspicions were confirmed. This was indeed a prison. He was in awe. He had seen for the first time the storied stone yards. It was a place where men were reduced to non-entities. They just went about their day chiseling from one boulder to the next. To look into their eyes was to read the story of their insignificance. All joy, hope, and spirit had long since left them. They barely even looked at the villagers for the pain that it brought them when contrasted with their own miserable lives. The men were shackled to rocks both taller and wider than they were. The weight of the stones must have been several times that of the largest man. All the men seemed alike. Their faces were leathered by the sun with shoulders to match. Their skin was wrapped taut around their bodies, revealing distended veins and muscles. Their faces were gaunt and miserable with their eyes sunken deeply into their heads. They made little progress on the stones. It plainly was an exercise in futility, like digging a hole only to fill it again. The men were all suffering severe punishment. Their punishments varied across the board, revealed by a small inscription upon each stone. One read horse thief, another tax avoider. All these men had been reduced to inscriptions on their stone. Nothing else of their previous identity remained. Some were buried in debts beyond their ability to pay. These were called debt slaves. Some had spoken out of turn to a local government official, and thus wore the name of disrespect. Others were considered vagrants and better off chained to a stone. Any bogus charge leveled against them gave reason for them being tethered to stone and chain. As the old man passing by looked into the faces of the prisoners, he thought they could all have etched upon their stone a single identifier. If he had to name them by the looks in their eyes, he would name them Hopeless. The old man had heard of the stone yards and the stone chisellers, but he often wondered if the stories were folklore, something mothers and fathers made up to keep their children in line. Mind you, do as you're told, young lad, lest you end up as a stone chiseller. Yet, here they were. There were real people standing before his eyes. It saddened him to think of the lives they now led. Their chains reached only so far as to make a complete circle around their assigned stones, and allowing them to enter a small hut where they slept. No matter the weather cast upon them by the gods, 
They stayed tied to their stones, sheltered only by their small sheds. As the old man's eyes surveyed the yard, one chiseler stood out. He was younger than the rest and a most attractive young man. There was something different about this boy from the rest of the prisoners. He held his hammer and chiseled differently. There was anger and ferocity in his strikes that the others no longer had. Although the indentations left by the tip of his chisel were cast in vain, there was something deliberate in the blows. Unlike the other prisoners, this boy displayed life in his eyes. For hours he watched the young prisoner at work just beyond the city mall. While the other stone chiselers took frequent breaks with their shoulders slumped and scorned and whipped to return to work by the yardmaster, the boy kept about hammering in a trance-like state. The old man was both perplexed and fascinated all at once. As the sun began to set, all the stone chiselers started to retire to their huts as required by the village ordinance. Clinks, clinks, clinks. Slowly the rhythm and frequency of the clinks began to slow. Clink, 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 clink. Then, as the sun fell, there was but one solitary clink, 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 that rang throughout the village. In the absence of townsfolk milling about and muffling the strikes of the stone, the one lonely stone chiseler's strikes rang throughout the village. The old man watched as the young boy continued his chiseling until the sun disappeared. He was determined not to leave until the boy's chisel fell silent. Once the sun was out of sight, the yardmaster came and demanded that the boy retire for the evening. Laying one final loud and defining blow, the boy crept off to his hut. The old man remained on the knoll for some time, having become fascinated with the young boy. He decided to return the next day and watch the young stone chiseler again. The old man arrived early to the village mall and looked out upon the yard of stones. At daybreak, the young man took his place beside the stone and went about chiseling. The man slowly approached the yard. His eyes never left the boy as he made his way to his stone. Although the man made no effort to let his presence be known, the boy cut his eyes over his right shoulder, having sensed the man's presence as he approached. He said nothing. He just turned and continued chiseling. Excuse me, young man, the old man said. May I ask what you call yourself? The boy furrowed his brow with annoyance and said nothing. He was a bit confused. This was the first time since being sentenced to yards that anyone other than the yardmaster berating him had any interaction with him of any kind. The old man continued. I don't mean to disturb your work, and I mean no disrespect. I'm genuinely interested in the nature of your practice. With that, he once again asked, May I ask what you call yourself? In an aggravated tone, the boy replied, Isn't it obvious, sir? I'm a stone chiseler. Look before you, old man. We all are. We are the lowest of the low. Our destiny has been sealed by the royal court. We are stone chiselers. If you need any more detail, my identity has been clearly marked upon my stone. The old man looked up and saw the boy's title. Swine Bread Thief. He scowled and looked back at the boy, refusing at once ever to address him as such. I see, said the man. And how long have you been, uh, a stone chiseler? 
The cadence and impact of the boy's chisel slowed and weakened a bit. He replied, I cannot give an exact account, sir. However, I believe it has been three years, thirty days, and twenty-three hours. With only the sun as my guide, I cannot be exact. Ah, oh, to understand the movements of the sun with such precision. You must have apprenticed in the trade of a seaman or possibly farmer. May I ask why you were sentenced to the fate of a stone chiseler? The boy remained mute. The veins on his neck began to reveal themselves. Sweat started to multiply in small droplets across his forehead. His eyes, previously harsh and focused on the placement of his chisel on the rock, now looked as if he were in a daze, peering through a cataract of water. A tear ran down the boy's cheek. The man tilted his head slightly and looked at the boy. Do you regret your crime? Is this for what these tears gather? What did you do, young man? What was it that led to you becoming a stone chiseler? I assure you, you can tell me. Your judgment has been passed. I shall not heap more upon you. The boy did not answer. The tears vanished, the veins now bulged, sweat became a glaze upon his arms. His lips, before full, were now as thin as that of a knife's blade. The blows of his chisel now rose above all the others. Young man, I didn't mean to upset you. I just couldn't help but notice your appearance being so strikingly different from that of your fellow chiselers. I'm consumed with curiosity as to your reason for being here. I fear if I leave here not knowing, I might be haunted for the rest of my life by the sight of you chiseling away at that rock. The old man looked away, talking to himself. It certainly wouldn't be the first time I suffered from my curiosity, but this is something I cannot tame. He continued. Although I see that you chisel away like the others, and you tell me you are but a stone chiseler, I'm not convinced. In fact, I don't think you are either. Tell me, am I mistaken? The man fell silent and continued to gaze at the boy's face. The young man continued his chiseling. He cut his eye slightly at the man. I'm... I'm... I'm a stone chiseler and nothing more, sir. What difference does it make? Just like the other chiselers you see before you, my fate has been determined. You're either a chiseler or you are not. One is either free or not. There is no in-between. I, sir, am not. Once you have been cast among the lot of stone chiselers, that's it. Even contemplating another fate would only lead to frustration. To analyze the situation in which the fate of a stone chiseler befalls you can bring only frustration. Therefore, sir, I ask again, what difference does it make? The old man looked down for a moment with a look of confusion. Young man, I cannot honestly say. However, as I look upon you, I am reminded of someone else I once met. While traveling a number of years ago, I came upon a young man. He was a filthy soul. His garments were ragged and mismatched. He carried himself with an air of confidence that bordered on arrogance. When I first saw him, he chiseled diligently upon a large block of stone much like you. It was gorgeous. It was one of the finest marbles in the region. The old man looked off into the distance with a slight smile recalling the event. The young man continued hammering the stone. I was mesmerized by the diligence with which he went about his work. As I have asked him a lot you, Young man, what do you call yourself? Somewhat aggravated as if I had insulted him, 
The young man turned to me and exclaimed at once, Why, sir, can you not determine for yourself that I am a sculptor? I was most apologetic. I wasn't asking about his trade. He was correct to be a bit frustrated. I deduced that he was a sculptor based on his tools and the stone. I was merely asking his name. He tilted his head and looked intensely at the boy. Like you, he didn't identify who he was by name, but rather what he did. His identity followed his actions. I found this then, as I do now, a most remarkable thing. The boy wrinkled his forehead as if hearing something that had given him reason to ponder. I couldn't help but notice a similarity in the precision with which you struck your stone with that of the sculptor I once came upon. More so, it's the determination I see in your eyes, your stroke and your entire being. I can't help but believe your mind is at battle with this chiseler identity. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't get the sense you have fully accepted this identity. The boy continued for a moment, then replied, My name is Giovanni. I am a stone chiseler. Now, if you please, leave me be, old man, lest the yardmaster come punish me with his whip. The old man looked across the yard and saw the yardmaster some distance away. He was a short, portly man with a beard. He was most likely born of a lowly status, social as well as physical, and that's why he now found himself as overseer of the yard. The old man looked again at the boy with a slight smile that quickly turned to a look of sadness and walked away. Well, there you have it, folks. Chapter one of The Stone Chiseler. I do hope that you will check it out, uh, the full book on Audible, on Kindle, or in paperback. You can order that at Amazon. And as always, endeavor to improve always in always. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thanks.